2: Happy Holidays, Houston. It's a Reaction Monday on Sports Radio 610. In for Payne and Pendergast, here's sportsradio 610.com, Sean Bajani and our senior Texans columnist, John McClay.
3: First, I think you have, we have to analyze exactly how we've been playing. And, um, you know, the last two teams that beat us have a chance to win it all. This team could win it all. I mean, they have a chance to represent our, our division. And we've been playing tough. If you've been watching our, if you've been watching our football team play, um, and you, you know football, you'd say that hey, this is a team that's trending here. That's what we're doing. We're 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 getting better. Um, as I told the team in there, I mean, we're playing good football right now. with an opportunity to beat anybody we play, and we're going to get a chance to do that because Jacksonville is playing outstanding football too. So we're really. You know, we're going to enjoy this, but uh, we understand what, what's up at stake next.
4: As Texans head coach Lovey Smith after uh, his team beat the Titans on Saturday. Sean Bajani, John McClain in for Payne and Pendergast this morning. McClain presented by Horn Solutions. You can catch his work at SportsRadio610.com and GallerySports.com. You heard it there. Lovey says, hey, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at this team saying, hey, we're trending here. How are you seeing this situation now with the way that they've played uh, the last three weeks against Dallas, Kansas City, finally getting a win over the Titans, and a meaningful one um, in terms of what it really meant for Tennessee going forward.
5: I thought Dallas was a fluke. Cowboys just couldn't get up, and it, and then they would get killed by Kansas City.
4: But they caught him off guard with the duo quarterback system, you think, yeah, that day against the Cowboys? I think
5: it did. And, um, and then Can- Dallas, to me, is not going to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City could win the Super Bowl. Tennessee's not going to win the Super Bowl, but the Titans, when they played in the last game here last year, they needed to win to secure home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. Mills had a fabulous game, 128 rating, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 300 yards. He looked great, and they won by three. And so this game they had to win, and people say, well, they played against Malik Willis. Yeah, they played against Tannehill up there last year. And they beat him when they intercepted him four times. I can't figure out why they're playing better. It's not because they've gotten consistent quarterback play. Mills was great on the last two scoring drives. He was horrific in the third quarter. And the lack of consistency, you don't have a good running game. You're down to Royce Freeman made his first start since 2018, his rookie year with the Broncos. They rushed for 70 against the second-best run defense in the NFL, but they got those turnovers in the fourth quarter when the Titans were moving. And I thought they did the best job they've done against Derrick Henry since the first time they played him in the first game between these teams in 2019 mm-hmm. when the Texans won the division, won a playoff game before in the Kansas city game. So they're playing better. The defense is young and it's, it's improving. And um, the offense, it's hard to figure. Uh, it's maddening for coaches, fans, everybody that watches this team. You see what Mills did in the fourth quarter and you go, why, why can he be so bad during one stretch and so good? down another, and that's got to drive the coaches nuts.
4: Yeah, and, and particularly, yeah, I know they had Brandon Cooks back this past weekend, but I mean, in recent weeks, they've been without some, some of their starters, their key contributors, if you will. I mean, they again didn't have Nico Collins. Obviously, they didn't have Damian Pierce, and Royce Freeman didn't necessarily light the world on fire uh, this past weekend against the Titans, but it was all just good enough. Lovey Smith, after the game, was asked by, uh, or told re- reporters, rather, that, look, they can't have a winning record for the season as a whole. But they want a winning record in the division, and that's what they're going to try to get.
3: The message was was this. Uh, again, two teams have beaten us that are a very good football team. We have a three-game season in our division. Guys, the best we can do this year is to have the best record against division opponents. That's, that was our goal. And Tennessee was the first one that was up. So based on what all we've gone through, to be able to finish up against your division – We plan to someday be the division champ, and this is the division champ, of course, that we're playing. So that's been our motivation. We're playing in our division. That should get you pumped up about. You shouldn't need any more. uh, You shouldn't need any more incentive, of course, except for that.
4: John, I play that because Lovey, over the course of the last month or so, has really talked to us reporters, you know, about motivating the team. It's a constant question, and. When we asked about the Dallas Cowboys game, he's like, hey, look, state championship, high school football state championships are going on this weekend, right? We're like, yeah. He's like, hey, well, this is our state championship. We want to beat the Cowboys. He's found different ways, you know, and obviously he's sharing some different things with the players throughout the course of the week, but he, there's a there's a, there's a theme that he brings to the team in regard to their opponent every single week. Some way, somehow, John, he's found a way to just motivate when he's been shorthanded, their backs up against the wall, And just when you think a bad team is supposed to be looking worse this time of the year, they seem to be improving.
5: They're playing hard, and that's the key. Not always smart, but they're playing hard. I always love to watch teams, and I've seen a lot of them in almost five decades, of some teams that will play hard at the end, mainly because a lot of them are trying to either save their jobs or audition for other jobs. Agents will tell them. Now, you're not going anywhere but I'm trying to get you another job or a new contract. And the guys that are the unsung heroes at a time like this are the position coaches. You know, Lovey doesn't go in and motivate each position. Mm-hmm. He talks to them as a group. He talks to the defense as a coordinator. But those position coaches are the ones that are with the players every single day, and they have a lot to say about how guys play. And it's like George Warop, the offensive line coach, he goes from Kenyon Green to Titus Howard to Jimmy Morrissey to Justin McCray at left guard with Jeffrey Simmons there. And they didn't get dominated and physically abused like they did in that first game against the Titans. They went in there and they did just enough to win and had the big turnovers in the fourth quarter. And I think anybody that watches this team can see the young guys, especially on defense. And we saw what we saw from. Damian Pierce, and it's too bad Nico Collins has been hurt now two years in a row. If you look what this team needs, they are going to get – Casario's going to get a couple of free agents. And I'm not just talking about middling. I'm talking about the cost money. Mm -hmm. Tight end center. They need a center. And um, those are things you can get in free agency because people don't want to pay centers. There's been some good centers. To move like Mitch Morris going from Kansas City to Buffalo, being a good example. Uh Alex Mack was another one. So you can get those, but they you know, you're not gonna get uh, I don't think, a great receiver in free agency. You know, you gotta trade a lot to get one. And get one through the draft. I'd rather have one in the draft. You develop him, he's your baby. You hope that he's consistent and he stays healthy. But they've got to get a playmaker at wide receiver that teams have to worry about and double team. Mm-hmm. And on defense, you know, you still need a pass rusher and you still need a tackle. And boy, Jalen Carter or Will Anderson would look so good <laughs> in this defensive line. And if they went out, maybe they get one of those guys. Yeah, because I don't think they're going to have their choice quarterbacks if they beat the Jaguars and the Colts and the Jaguars. and over the last seven. Trevor Lawrence, 14 touchdowns, one interception. That's why they drafted him first overall. Isn't it something that when the Texans have had the first overall pick, there hasn't been a Trevor Lawrence or an Andrew Luck or a Joe Burrow, a quarterback that is by – he is the man. And if you get the first pick, you've got to take him. Bryce Young would be that guy if he was two inches taller.
4: Yeah. Well and I mean he still might be that guy. I he mean, might be, but <laughs> uh, he's barely five
5: ten but... and they think he's about one eighty five, but he can eat like crazy <laughs> before the combine. <laughs> if he is closer to five eleven than five ten, people are gonna go <laughs> hold on, what did you did you say? He right could... there they're scared to death he's gonna be five ten. Did you say he could eat like crazy? He can eat like crazy before the combine. To try to get his weight up. Oh, like I thought you knew
4: his like, current dieting 190 habits. or
5: 195, <laughs> because they say he's really 5'10 and a quarter and 185, but he has everything you want in a quarterback, and he's the one I hope they get. You know, Maybe by the time that the draft comes around. C.J. Stroud or Will Levis is clearly number one, but Bryce Young, based on what we've seen of him beating Texas, seeing well, him play in so many big games, He's the one i like to see.
4: Well, yeah, and then stick with that one right there, John, because you and I just had a conversation probably a couple Man. breaks ago in terms of you know what scouts and general managers and coaches are looking at with these combines. And they their status, I mean, we know, their stock goes up because of what they do in T-shirts and shorts. What about just watching the games? Watch the games. What do you think if you just take the games into focus? You look at C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and Will Levis. I mean, it seems to me like... We should all trust our eyes, and it is Bryce Young, regardless of you know his stature, so to speak. And I'll I'll go you one better. You said, "Okay, well, man, you just wish the Texans had the number one overall pick, and there was this for sure guy." I'll tell you this: When was the last time the Texans had the number one overall pick, and they had a decision to make? Cloudy. Was it uh, okay? What year was that? 14, and there was,
5: 2014. and two thousand fourteen. There's no great quarterback that year. There was none. Looking back. To say, oh, they should have taken him. He's great. Yeah. No. And Go back wasn't to two, in 06 with Mario Williams.
4: That's where I was going. Go back to 2006. And, do you want to miss out on two youngs in your lifetime? Because you could have had Vince Young. <laughs> do you want to miss out on Bryce Young this time?
5: And the thing about Bryce Young, when then um, I watched every game I could of his and C.J. Strauss, didn't watch Will Levis. I do a weekly show in Nashville, and, and they just constantly were ripping Will Levis Mm -hmm. for not playing as well as he could. And C.J. Stroud's had the best receivers in college football the last two years. Marvin Harrison's son's the best player in college football right now. This time next year, you are going to be talking about him being number one. So Stroud would go a half and not do much, then he'd throw four touchdown passes Mm -hmm. or a quarter, where Bryce Young this year did not have the receivers he had last year. And he still played really well. And uh, before Nick Casario drafts him, he's going to be talking to his good buddy, Bill O'Brien. Well, you know (laughs) Bill O'Brien loves the guy because he's been with him for two years. And I think Bill's opinion of him as an NFL quarterback will weigh heavily on what Casario
4: thinks. I think that's so interesting that you're going to have to be talking to Bill O'Brien about Bryce Young and possibly drafting him. Maybe Bryce
5: Young wants him brought his offensive coordinator. <laughs> it's not going to happen just kidding just kidding
4: i was waiting on something like that I, I, it was going to be you tongue-in-cheek like that for sure that was a guaranteed lock but i was waiting for somebody to really think about mentioning that before april 27 sean
5: a friend of mine at ryan fowler that's talk show host in tuscaloosa i do his show quite a bit he's he's been through all those alabama players with saban he said nobody is better at the podium than bryce young none of them. Yeah, he will blow you away with his charisma, his personality, and I said, and his acting because he's the best in the Heisman House of all those guys that have been around forever. And he's and he's told me he said when they meet with him, he will blow them away.
4: Yeah. Well, did you hear him uh, in his comments about you know him and Will Anderson deciding to play in this bowl game, you know, the Sugar Bowl coming up against Kansas State? I I loved what he'd said. You know, I want to be with my brothers and. Yeah. He didn't say this as much, but it just kind of emanated from from the way that he handled the questions in, in his decision. It's the Sugar Bowl, okay? Like, how many opportunities do does a guy get a chance to play in a Sugar Bowl? It's not for the national championship, and he has a ring. You know, he sat behind Mac Jones when they won a ring a couple of years ago. He hadn't had the opportunity to play in the national championship, but I like a kid that is willing to kind of lay it all out there, seize the moment, and, you know, just go moment by moment. He wants to play the last game with his with his college college football players before he makes the jump. I love that.
5: That's very admirable. And the thing about SEC quarterbacks, they've played before much bigger crowds than there are in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, in the NFL you've got seventy thousand. Over there they're playing ninety and a hundred thousand <laughs> in the best conference in college football where the pressure is enormous every game. And where, every, and where he came from, everybody's out to get Alabama. And so he's dealt with Saban. He's dealt with O'Brien. He's handled pressure-packed situations. The only negative about him is his size. And you better make sure you have a coach who knows how to coach him on movement and and teach him to throw between guys. The players in the NFL – are not even bigger than the players he's he's played, mm-hmm. and even though they're faster in the NFL, they're pretty damn fast in the SEC. I like the fact that he came from the SEC and the best program, perennially right up there with Georgia, and he's been through everything you could go through in college football. He's ready for the NFL. He needs to be ready to play for the Texans.
4: You know, I might have just kind of glossed over this as you're kind of going through it, and I apologize if I didn't catch it, but one of my biggest questions about quarterbacks in general when they come out is what kind of system are they coming from? Like, what is the coordinator asking them to do? Are they, you know, making a lot of predetermined throws, or are they, you know, sitting back and going through progressions and reading a defense and just kind of reacting, throwing guys open, what are you hearing? What have you seen from Bryce Young?
5: I'm told that that he gets a lot of responsibility at the line of scrimmage cuz he's smart. He's a good decision maker. He makes quick decisions. He's got good mobility. He's got great pocket awareness where he feels a rush coming and he knows how to bail and there are no drawbacks with him other than his size. And size isn't an issue anymore in the NFL. Now he's not thick like Russell Wilson. He's not super fast like Kyler Murray and super quick, but nobody's getting a good hit on it. You mm-hmm. know, he hurt his shoulder when he hit it on a player this year. That had nothing to do with his size. But I think when teams meet with him, and you got Bill O'Brien, former head coach in the NFL, take away what people think about Bill. Bill's a pretty good coach. Watson loved working with uh, O'Brien well, in his that's... development. I think. That Bill's going to speak very highly of him to anybody that asks. And if you have a chance to get him uh, over CJ Stroud or Will Levis, who looked the part more, Mm -hmm. you may regret it for a long time.
4: I think it's a good point. Uh, That is always the and but, you know, when you talk about Bill O'Brien. It's, you know, Bill O'Brien, not a great GM. You know, what are these crazy cockamamie decisions that he'd made when he took over with the Texans, you know, head coach, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, but. He's a pretty good offensive coordinator, you know, in the NFL. And so. he played a
5: big role in Watson's development. I remember when we thought Bill might be fired and we were asking him if he's this is a 17. Watson blew out his knee. Yeah and and every day when they'd lose a game, they had twenty two guys on hour. Watson would tweet, I don't want o, he didn't call him OB. Yeah he did. OB. I don't want OB going anywhere. I want O B. He always supported O'Brien when things were at their most negative
4: he's John McClain presented by Horn Solutions Sean Bajani in for pain in Pendergast this morning coming up next burning questions heading into the NFL's week 17 we'll cover them all here
0: with John McClain next this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what
2: Happy Holidays, Houston. It's a Reaction Monday on Sports Radio 610. In for pain and pendergast, here's sportsradio com. Sean Bajani and our senior Texans columnist, John McClain.
4: I'm Sean Bajani. He is John McClain, presented by Horn Solutions. In for pain and pendergast this morning. Hope everybody had a wonderful and a Merry Christmas. If you'd like to be a part of the show, 713-572-4610. You can call or text the trailer wheel and frame text line. And uh, make sure you continue to check out John McLean's work on SportsRadio610.com and GallerySports.com every Day of the week the guy is riding he can catch his work on either one of those sites. Uh, do you have anything uh, big coming up? I, I should have asked you this like probably a long time ago. Do you have anything coming up this week that we can look forward to on Gallery or Sports Radio Six Ten?
5: I do. I'm uh, I'm writing first for Sports Radio Six Ten. I'm going to do that today. Like things we've been talking about, what does it mean? What happens if they win the last two? They're certainly capable of winning. I mean, I'm eager to see how the Colts do with Nick Foles. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Foles doesn't come out there and play better. And they're like, "Why in the hell didn't we pay him sooner?" <laughs> yeah. And um, but they're just, they're capable of yeah. winning and they're capable of losing. Nothing bad comes from winning, and good comes from losing because you get the first pick. I'll be writing about that. One of the things I'm going to do for Gallery Sports is also what we've been talking about: who are the best teams, who is in the best position to get home field advantage, of course, Philadelphia, and maybe Buffalo unless they lose to Cincinnati, which they very well could do. Cincinnati's got, if you go back like four games, they had the toughest closing schedule of anybody. Mm -hmm. And that gets you ready for the playoffs. And the MVP race. You know, if Jalen Hurts misses one game, it's not going to affect me in my thinking about the MVP. But if you miss two and it's close, and Mahomes goes a distance, and Josh Allen goes a distance, and Joe Burrow goes the difference. It's it's going to be somebody else. And I will tell you another thing: Nick Bosa should. I'm get so tired of Micah Parsons because he plays for the Cowboys, and he's a great player, but he didn't do squat against the Texans, and he hadn't right. done. And, and Nick Bosa has blown him away in every category for the best team in the league, the hottest team in the league. He should be Defensive Player of the Year over Micah Parsons. And speaking of the Texans' offensive line, they have not given up a sack that was their fault in four games. They didn't give up any to the Cowboys with Micah Parsons, none to the Browns with Miles Garrett. Jeff Driscoll ran out of bounds against the Chiefs for the sack. That wasn't the line. And in the game Sunday, Mills was sacked when he held the ball, held the ball, held the ball. That wasn't the Lions' fault. He should have thrown it away. Mm-hmm. The offensive line's pass protection has been tremendous, led by Laramie Tunsell, who has been great as a pass protector, starting in the lingerie game or whatever it's called. I still think <laughs> it should be the lingerie league like they used to have. And um, so
4: <laughs> the pass that.
5: protection has been tremendous, and, and George Warhop is in his first year as a coach. He has gotten those guys to play well and they've been healthy relatively healthy till uh this last game and Kenyon Green needs to play if possible he needs every snap that he can possibly get going into his sophomore year.
4: Yeah, and I I've, I've heard you say that before and uh I think I was talking to Clint Sterner about that the other day. I I guess I, I just said, "You know what? Go ahead and shut him down because I'm looking at Stingley and I'm looking at you know, Collins and some of these other guys. It's like, yeah, I needed to see more. You're right. I, I can't argue with that. But I don't want him to push it and then all for naught. You know well, I'm, I'm not saying? talking like, about if
5: he's not healthy. He needs yeah. to be 100%. And if he's 100%, put him out there and let him. But I don't uh, know if he's been 100%
4: all season scores. long after the Well, most the players injury, aren't you know? at this
5: time of the year. And if that's what's hurting him and it's affecting his play, yeah, shut him down. But if it's not, he needs the snaps because he started real well, and in that stretch there where they were totally dominating, beginning with Tennessee, including to Washington, and and they ran the ball really well against the Giants mm-hmm. and the Eagles. And the best game that Damian Pierce had was against the Eagles. And uh, so uh, people, they have certainly not given up on Kenyon Green as being their starting left guard going into next season. He needs to do a lot of work on the weights. And a lot of the technical stuff that he's worked on, but he's a physical player. I remember seeing him kick butt on the, at the line, get out on the second level, and kick butt. That's why they drafted him in the first round.
4: He's John McLean, Sean Bajani. Let's get to some of these burning questions, and I'll set it up like this because we've we've kind of you know covered some of these scenarios. You know, the Cardinals—they've officially been nixed from their playoff hunt with their loss to the Bucks last night. Tua failed to punch their ticket to the postseason against the Packers three fourth-quarter picks. Uh, for him keeping Rodgers and the Packers' hopes alive uh, while putting theirs alone, the Dolphins, on life support. The Browns' playoffs hopes are officially over, as are the Falcons. The Steelers, they stayed alive along with the Raiders momentarily. Uh, But there's some big questions. So help me tackle some of these. My first one to you, Aaron Rodgers, are you a believer or not that the Packers will make the playoffs?
5: I think they'll win the last two at Lambeau against Minnesota and Detroit. And... um, I think they'll make the playoffs. And one of the things that that and I would hope Rodgers does, you know, he's never there in the off offseason. they got all these new receivers, these young guys they've drafted, and he should have been there with them, but he's gallivanting around, which is his right. This next offseason, he needs to be there for OTAs and everything to work with those receivers because a couple of them are talented and they're starting to come around. hmm and um, and when you're making the kind of money that he is, fifty million this year. Yep. Somebody said he'd be close to sixty million next year. The least you can do is show up and be a leader. And I think the fact they won that game in Miami bodes very well for them. And Matt Lafleur, did you see that great stat? They're like won fourteen in a row in December. <laughs> that stupid. is impressive. It's stupid. And I expect them to win out and make the playoffs. I thought it was going to be the Lions, but they choked like crazy at the Panthers.
4: Yeah, damn ankle biters, knee biters, whatever Dan Campbell calls. <laughs> oh, the field
5: was too hard.
4: Get out of here. Frauds, you can't do that in the preseason and then complain about the field. Like, my God. The Vikings, 11-0. and We mentioned this earlier, John. The Vikings, 11-0 and in one-score games this season. A positive thing, or is that a looming concern I know you said you're just simply not a believer in Kirk Cousins, but can the Vikings, from a team standpoint, put things together and make a little noise this postseason?
5: Sean, from an offensive standpoint, yes, they can. Uh, They've got talented skill positions. Their problem is their defense, specifically their line. But until Kirk Cousins does it, until he wins a big game in the playoffs, uh, I'm still not going to believe in him. Last time they won a big game in the playoffs – Case Keenum was a quarterback. <laughs> and so uh they've Miracle. got the talent to beat anybody on offense, and they're mentally tough to be able to win those one score games. And that you'd think would serve them well, but I think when they get beat, it will be because of their defense, not because of their offense.
4: You know, look, I, I know Patrick Mahomes, what, a couple of weeks ago, you know, didn't have the greatest game. He threw three interceptions, but still spun it for three fifty. Uh, last weekend, he spun it again for three hundred and twenty-five. He finds a way to win, John. These are, there are some numbers that I look at, I side-eye, and I say, you know what, that's that's really interesting. I didn't know that. That could affect an outcome here. But get this, Patrick Mahomes could begin the playoffs on the road for the first time in his career. It may not come to that, but if it does, I want to know if it matters. He's got 11 career playoff starts, nine had been at home, the other two had been Super Bowl games. Does it matter?
5: I think at this point in his career, it doesn't. What matters really more is the players around him. Everybody thought with Tyreek Hill being traded to Miami, we're not going to see him have the same kind of stats. And he's got these running backs. You know, Clyde edwards Larry was good two years ago. He hadn't done much. Isaiah Pacheco and uh, McKittrick. Is, um, not McKittrick. What's the other running back's name that beat the Texans? McKinnon? Uh, McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon. And it doesn't matter who Andy Reid plugs in there, they're going to do well. Travis Kelsey, it's amazing to me, he continues to get 100-yard games. You'd think that they would have a linebacker in front of him to hit him and then a corner, not a safety, but a corner to follow him all over the field because Kelsey can make plays anywhere, make those wideouts beat you. And um,
4: He can just body up anybody, though. He John. can. I mean,
5: he can, and he does. And um, But they're capable of beating anybody as long as Mahomes is there. You don't see him having. Every once in a while, Josh Allen have a bad game. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow hadn't had one in a while, although Burrow threw two interceptions on uh, Sunday, and they almost got beat by the Patriots after leading 22 to nothing. But uh, I think Mahomes is, can win anywhere.
4: All right, final question for you from me. The Panthers, they've won three of their last four, four of their last six. They can earn a spot in the playoffs by winning their final two games. Now, they've got two two really tough games at Tampa Bay and at New Orleans. Okay, and look, maybe New Orleans isn't that tough, but certainly trying to go beat Brady at his home, that's difficult. They've already beaten both teams this season, but both were at home. Carolina won in five on the road. This would involve, again, beating Brady and beating Brady on the road. And I got out of the business of betting against Brady a long time ago. Do you think Steve Wilkes and the Panthers can win that division? And what does the future mean for Steve Wilkes with the job that he's done since, what, 10 weeks ago it looked like they were just going to go on a selling frenzy?
5: If he wins those last two games, I think they got to keep him. I don't think they will. I don't think they'll win in Tampa. They ran the ball for more than 300 yards. They had 200, two 100-yard rushers led yeah. by Deontay Foreman. Deontay Foreman looked pretty good in the Texans' backfield right now, but Bill O'Brien, as GM, didn't want to bring him back. And they've got to run the ball. If they can continue to run the ball like they did, they're capable of controlling it and beating anybody. Sam Darnold's playing well. Mm-hmm. Darnold can run. And they've got it going on, but would Dave Tepper, the owner, is he interested in after he made a big splash to get Matt Rule away from the Giants, does he want to just settle for Steve Wilkes, who was fired after one season by Arizona, or does he want to go out and try to get people's attention? You know, where are his sales? Where are his sponsorships and suites? All those things some owners put stock into, but if they win these last two, no matter how you look at it, Sean, Steve Wilkes has done a good job in this short period of time.
4: No question, and if it doesn't mean if it if he doesn't benefit from it, you know, this next season in two thousand and twenty three, then you still can't take anything away from him for the job that he did and what appeared to be a lost season um, for that organization. This and the year. players he's done it with, yeah, exactly. You know, others could exactly. add Sam
5: Darnold, yeah. Anybody could add Deontay Foreman. Now, they've got some great talent, young talent. Especially uh, don't do on Hubbard defense. wrong.
4: Hubbard ran for 125,
5: too. But yeah, Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. I yeah. mean, they were awesome, and if they keep running the ball like that, they're capable of winning. But I don't see Brady and the Bucks blowing a game at home. They've got to win.
4: He's John McClain presented by Horn Solutions. Sean Bajani in for pain in Pendergast. Final segment before we uh, hand things off to Texans Radio. You can catch John McClain there as well. Coming up next, we'll have headlines including Carlos Correa's health concerns and does James Harden want to make up with the city of Houston. That's next.
2: Happy Holidays, Houston. It's a Reaction Monday on Sports Radio 610. In for pain and pendergast, here's SportsRadio610.com's Sean Bajani and our senior Texans columnist, John McClain.
4: Merry Christmas. Welcome back. at Sports Radio 610. Hope everybody had a great, great Christmas weekend. John McClain, presented by Horn Solutions. I'm Sean Bajani, in for Pain and Pendergast. Coming up in about uh, 18 minutes, we've got Texans Radio. John McClain will be on hand for that as well, so don't miss a thing. Keep it right here. Make sure you download the Odyssey app. You can take it with you wherever you go. Coming up here, uh, we're going to do some headlines, John. And, man, one of the biggest stories keeps getting bigger and bigger.
2: Pain and Pendergast with today's headlines brought to you by BaywayJeep.com.
4: So the Mets made headlines last week nabbing Carlos Correa from the Giants after San Francisco nixed the free agent signing, which was thirteen years, three hundred and fifty million dollars. They nixed it over medical concerns, citing a quote unquote difference of opinion. Now they've concerns of their own about Carlos Correa, the Mets that is, surgically repaired lower right leg. Did, were you just mind-blown? 2014. He had the plate put in in the offseason 2014. That was when he was a minor league baseball player, not even up yet with the big club with the Astros. So potentially this is going to jeopardize a 12-year, $315 million agreement with the uh, star shortstop. That according to uh, article, a uh, report rather by The Athletic, and people briefed on the matter who were not authorized to speak publicly there's a report, I think I saw it last, or early this morning, by John Heyman saying that he doesn't feel like the report or the contract is in jeopardy, but there's going to be maybe some room to renegotiate this deal. But that, along with everything else concerning Correa and where the Mets stand, are up in the air right now, John. They
5: want to put it in there where if he has an issue yeah. with, um, it was reported his ankle, no, it was his fibula, it was lower part of the fibula, The bottom line is we've never heard it mentioned. It was always his back. He missed 26 games this year. He always – well, the year before he didn't because it was a contract year. But is a great guy. This is what he'd gone for. You know, Scott Boers is not going to want to do that, but he's going to want him to play for Steve Cohen. Could be they put a clause in there if he has an issue with it this year. If he doesn't, it's all guaranteed from there on out. Mm-hmm. I, Sean, I thought all baseball contracts were guaranteed as soon as they sign. Uh, it must not be true if well, we're talking about some relief.
4: There's, they are guaranteed, but you know, there's got to be some stipulations. You know, when Correa, when there's concerns like this, yeah, I mean they. There are going to be other things that I guess agents and, you know, teams can kind of work around and I wanted here, to go
5: to the Giants it, so he could play the Dodgers. Well he at was Dodgers Stadium all those times every yes, year.
4: But he was I read a report too, like I guess they were gonna move him to third base if he would have signed with the Giants too. And I don't even think that was like a thought in my mind. I just thought, like, okay, he'll be their shortstop over there. You knew third base when the Mets, you know, came into the conversation, which I don't know how that struck you, but there's they don't have a problem with Lindor, who's on a Hall of Fame track right now in New York. So if this sticks, that's a pretty damn good left uh, left side of the infield.
5: I believe last year I read that when the giant, the Mets signed Lindor to a new deal after the trade, that Correa wanted more than him because they're really tight.
3: Yeah. And then
5: when they signed with the Mets, well, he's automatically going to move to third. I've never heard him say a word about moving to third. He's a shortstop. Yeah. He's a better shortstop than Lindor. He's got a better arm than Lindor, but Lindor doesn't look like a third baseman. No. So he's going to do like A Rod did when he got with Jeter, and uh, like Cal Ripken did. He's going to move to third. If your third base is to the shortstop, does that help your career from a physical standpoint, or does it have no impact whatsoever?
4: I mean, I, I think there's probably a little. You know, slight improvement just because of the range factor, Um, you know, the wear and tear on your body, you know, ranging to your right, as we'd seen Correa do. Um, I mean, that's why he is regarded as a great shortstop, ranging to his right, you know, the powerful arm throwing. I mean, maybe there's a little less wear and tear on the arm, but I don't know if it would be like major. A guy like him who's already had some soft tissue injuries before, you know, with a hamstring, um, obviously the two back issues in 2018, 2019, and now this lower leg thing that happened in 2014 that's apparently an issue now I think the concern has got to be like okay as you get older more wear and tear possibility of a stretch fracture and there's a possibility that you could do anything in any walk of life and go out and you know have something happen to you but when, I guess when you're talking about nearly half a billion dollars you're going to be a little bit more cautious you know, on that it's but about
5: the this, Yan- Yankees and Mets make all these moves the Grom and Scherzer didn't do squat in the playoffs yeah Really, the Astros didn't win the World Series because of Verlander. Astros still have the best pitching, the best bullpen, and good enough hitting that's been bolstered by Jose Abreu. I still wish they'd get another bat for center field. Everybody loves McCormick because he made a fantastic catch. I want a center fielder who can hit and cover a lot of ground. I'd love to see him trade for the Pirates brian reynolds but everybody wants him
4: yeah it might be heating up uh, i don't think there's this story's uh got to end in sight though i think there's a little bit more mean on the bone so we'll continue to follow it in regards to carlos correa and the mets next up on headlines james harden mulling a return to the rockets according to sources adrian wojnarowski had the report sunday morning harden would consider a free agent return to houston if he decides against a new deal with the sixers now he signed a two-year, $68.5 million contract with the Sixers, including a player option for next season. That would allow him, obviously, if he declined the uh, uh, to return to reenter free agency this summer. Harden, of course, this is still very fresh on the minds of Houstonians, John. Forced his way out in 2021. It wasn't that long ago. You know, stopped off in Brooklyn, to had, a, had a cup of coffee there, screwed things up up there, went to Philly. Now, I guess, the only... There was really no meat on the bone in this report. I just want to point that out. So it's
5: like oh, he can just very, snap his fingers and come back,
4: right? Like Wojnarowski just said that. All right, maybe there could be like some issues. in uh, it's a work in progress. Is actually, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put words in his mouth. He said it's a work in progress in regards to the relationship between Harden and Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid. However, work in progress seems to be going pretty good. They're one of the best teams of the East. They've won eight straight ball games. And Harden's playing good ball. He's leading the league in assists with nearly eleven a game. I don't. I don't know if I put a lot of stock into this.
5: I don't want him back. It's a young team. It's developing. Let him. If he wanted to leave a good team with a chance to get in the finals to come back with the Rockets, I'd wonder why. Almost like it's only because he loves Houston. Maybe he loves all the strip clubs. I just. <laughs> uh, you got a young team. Move forward with the young team. Let. James Harden, stay with a contender.
4: Maybe move forward with your life. You're going to be 34. Like, get out of the strip clubs. Seems like he'd
5: be so much <laughs> older. He's been around so long.
4: It does. It does. People yeah. forget he played in right.
5: Oklahoma City. Well, and and that, he
4: didn't even start. That does seem like 15 years ago, doesn't it? I mean, maybe, I guess he did get a start, like when he was, what, 2021? 20, Plus, Daryl Morey
5: is in Philadelphia, and, and, and he'll probably pay him whatever it takes to keep him.
4: Yeah, I guess. I think it's just going to really depend on how well the Sixers finish this season. And in, in the circumstances around that finish, you know, if things implode. Like, things are good now. We've seen things really turn around at the flip of a switch though i can just tell you this i'm glad you're in the same boat that i am in regards to nixing a harden return to the Rockets on a number of things but you're building and i know people are frustrated and the rockets aren't even a lot of people's radar right now but they are building they got a lot of young talent you do not want james harden in that locker room in this environment could you imagine him with kpj as far as kpj has come at this point in time and (laughs) you mentioned it to me off air like Jalen Green and James Harden perusing the city like on the weekends and off days? No, I don't need that in my life. I don't
5: want him influencing those young guys who are working their asses off to get
4: better. <laughs> no chance. All right, that's it for headlines. Those are the two biggest stories. You know, I'll I'll throw this one in there just because it did happen a couple of days ago. I haven't had a chance to talk about it, but did you see uh, Trevor Bauer? Had oh, his yeah. uh, suspension yep. severely reduced. It was like 346, and they brought it down to like 194. Time or something. served, so he's yeah.
5: available and the Dodgers have to make a decision on him. I can't imagine they're going to keep him. No,
4: I, he was the highest paid player, I think, in baseball in each of the last two years. And he didn't pitch a lick.
5: Can you, <laughs> you imagine know? the grief he's going to take when he's on the road? Oh, my gosh. I, I was wondering. Maybe he, at home.
4: Yeah. He's, he's ready to go, though. Do you, you see all the social media videos that he's been oh, pumping yeah. out? Yeah,
5: maybe, hey, maybe Steve Cohen will want him. <laughs> He'd be the youngest pitcher maybe. on his staff.
4: Yeah, Steve Cohen's payroll. Approaches half a billion dollars. Uh, it's already it's already approaching half a billion dollars. I'm talking about just the luxury tax overage, which is insane. I always right wonder
5: now. what happens to all that luxury tax money that MLB collects. Do they I, give it to charity? Well, what was, do they do with all that money? I
4: was actually going to ask you that because I know like NFL fines and stuff like that that goes to charity Charities, and things yes. like that. I wonder if it's the same thing with Major League Baseball. But something tells me that it's probably if if, if maybe it does, it's a small portion. Because Major League Baseball, for the last three years, I believe, have been operating underneath like a $9.5 billion revenue cloud. And they're looking, I think, by the year 2026 to approach $11.5 billion. His
5: luxury tax is going <laughs> to be heard. more than a quarter of the <laughs> team's payroll.
4: Yeah, if they can afford it. How do
5: the Pirates compete?
4: Pirates, the Reds. I mean, it's you name just it. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. The Pirates is a good pull, though. I feel bad
5: for the fans. They see what he's doing. Yes, it's New York. You always want an owner like in, like the Padres, that owner there. What's his name? Seidel. I can't even Peter oh God. Seidel. Yeah, in the Padres. He's not sure. spending a fortune on a mid-market team because he wants to win. and He's not concerned hey. with how much money he's making.
4: But you got the Padres. You got the Mets. You're going to have the Astros. Well, Cohen's the worth Dodgers seventeen billion, and
5: he's in New York. Yeah, but I'm talking about the Padres are mid-market and they're spending a the fortune to bring in Stark. But they must be making money, John. I wonder if Soto will re-sign with them, or they'll trade him in his walk
4: year. My guess is he'll re-sign with whoever's going to pay him the most money.
5: <laughs> and that might be the Padres.
4: God, imagine what he's going to get on the think open market. Machado's
5: leaving after this coming season. Because if you're trading, don't you want all those guys? If he's doing this right now, I'm thinking he's going to make every effort to keep Machado. People are going to pick a lot of them are going to pick the Padres to beat the Dodgers.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that wouldn't be a stupid bet either. <laughs> it really wouldn't. I like that bet. The Padres really showed something this past year. Um, who who mowed through them? Um, uh, who mowed through the Padres in the postseason? So I can't remember.
5: Ago, it seems like it's been ten years ago.
4: I know. It, it's crazy how fast the major. All I can tell you goes.
5: is the Astros beat,
4: and <laughs> that's all that matters, really, man. You talk about their they don't. They don't want to hear about any window, man. Their window is uh, wide open. Uh, so you got Texans radio coming up here in just a few short minutes. I
5: do minutes. at 8.30. I'll be on with Mark and John.
4: And you guys are going to be talking a lot about, I'm sure, the Tennessee Titans uh, game this past weekend. Uh, I know a little bit of the future. One thing that I'm hoping you know, maybe you guys are able to kind of expand upon, I'll ask you here. I meant to in an earlier segment. In regards to – Obviously, there's a lot of changes forthcoming, and you don't know what's to come with Nick Casario and this organization this offseason, but forget about the young players right now. Forget about the rookies. I'm talking about like guys like Obo Okoronkwo, you who's know, three, four-year guys Flying that have really flashed. Off. He's played his ass off the last few weeks. I really like this guy, and it's somebody that Lovey talked quite a bit about earlier in the season, and he really made a difference when he inserted him into the starting lineup. Give me some guys like that that we should be excited about that you could see, like, as holdovers to carry this Texans team in the next game. Desmond phase.
5: King, Stephen Nelson. The Texans have given up fewer touchdown passes than any team in the league. And uh, the secondary, I think, has played without a consistently disruptive pass rush. It's played pretty darn well, especially when you consider all the new players and the young players. In fact, all of them are new starters in the secondary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like... Linebackers, Christian Harris, of course. Can Christian Kirksey come back? He's been around forever. A player that you'd love to see stay healthy. There's two of them. Nico Collins at wide receiver and Jonathan Grenard at defensive end. Grenard missed, I think, five games as a rookie. Missed eight or nine this year. Next year's contract year. You'd like to see John stay healthy because I think if he did, he could get 10 to 12 sacks. And lead this team.
4: What did he have? Eight sacks last year, he right? He had eight sacks last and year
5: and was really coming on. Then he tore calf muscle this year. Don't do you feel like
4: Nico Collins, you just mentioned him. Collins and Grenard, do you feel like they enter next camp, next year's camp, with the same questions as they did this year? I mean, how could you say but otherwise, really? Like, they will.
5: If you've been injured, you're going to enter yeah. with injury questions and Grenard's fourth year contract, Nico's third year, and They get legitimate injuries. It's not one of those situations I like to say, get shampoo in your eyes and you miss two weeks. (laughs) They're legitimate injuries that they've just had bad luck, but both of them have so much talent and have flashed enough to know if they stayed healthy, they could be really, really good players.
4: Yeah, and you know, one of the more remarkable things, I guess, about the last three weeks is the mind shift that you have when you see a team, the worst team in the league, play some of its best football against stiff competition. It makes you think like all right, are these guys really as bad as you thought they were for the first 12 weeks of the season? And I think the answer is no, they're not as bad as you thought they were. We just I don't have an answer. And I don't I don't know if you have an answer as to why we're seeing this influx of, you know, uh this good play. I, mean, I don't understand they're, they're it because they
5: like missing six starters for on offense against Chiefs and taking them to overtime and there were games they could have won early in the season in the fourth quarter and they faded. Remember it was 14-14 at halftime when they played Philly they were within a touchdown in the fourth quarter and they and Pierce just ran all over the Eagles so there's a lot of reasons to be fired up about next season. The key is quarterback
4: you like Pierce Freeman backfield next year for the Texans not so
5: sure about Freeman to me Nick Serio's got to get a legitimate backup quarterback if Pierce goes down that guy doesn't have to be as productive but he's got to come close there's a lot of teams in the league that have two backs that they rotate that try to keep keep them healthy for this time of year
4: He's John McClain, presented by Horn Solutions. You can catch him here in just a few short minutes with uh, Texans Radio and Mark Vandermeer. So make sure you listen for that. They'll have you from 8 until 10 right here on Sports Radio 610. I'm Sean Bajani. Uh, We'll be in again tomorrow morning. 6 to 10. 6 to 10 tomorrow for Payne and Pendergast. So looking forward to that. Four hours with the general tomorrow, my man. And uh, i got to be honest with you, I couldn't ask for a better Christmas present than that. That's going to be great. Never done that before, and I'm looking forward to it.
5: I did five hours with Brandon Scott on Thanksgiving. I'm really looking forward to coming back with you for four tomorrow. And I tell people, check out SportsRadio610.com where you can read Sean and I. Yes, sir. we're there every day.
4: Yes, sir. And GallerySports.com to catch the general. He's writing for them all the time, about three, four times a week. So make sure you check that out. Appreciate Ben Gary, our producer. Coming up next, as I mentioned, John McClain
0: in Texans Radio. Stay there at Sports Radio 610. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.